So we have been in a series and are in a series that we are wanting to get finished up with. Um, and before I jump into that, let me just remind you, this coming Sunday is Spirit of Christmas. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. And this is a very special service, and so we're asking everybody, make sure you are here this Sunday for Spirit of Christmas. There will be some refreshments in the fellowship hall. There will not be life classes, but we still want you to come early because we want you to go through and get refreshments and come in, sit down, visit, get up, walk around, talk to the church folks. And uh, the Bible says that that those who have friends show themselves friendly. And one of the things I hate to hear is, well, I just don't ever connect with anybody. Well, that's probably more your fault than it is their fault. I can only do that till this coming Monday. Then I'm going to have to do this. It's probably, I'm not saying in every case, but probably more your fault than theirs. Get to church early. Talk to people. Visit with people. Don't just tell about you. Find out about them. I don't know where all that's coming from, but, but uh, it is good. So anyways, we're going to do that Sunday. It's going to be a great time. Amen? And they're going to sing some special music for us, some Christmas music, and we're going to have some wonderful things happening. The kids are going to be singing. It's going to be fabulous, and we look forward to it. And again, everybody said amen. 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 And so um, we've been in this series, Bought with a Price, such an important discussion that we are having um, it's a shame that some people are not preaching all doctrine of the Bible anymore. Would anybody agree with that statement? Um, we need to preach what the apostle called the whole counsel of God. We don't leave any of it out. Amen? It is all important. Uh, it, it all matters. And there are some subjects in the Bible that don't always appeal to our flesh, but they glorify God. And the things that bring glory to God are the things we embrace as children of God. Amen? Y'all are going to have to talk back to me tonight, okay? Thank you. That was a, that was a quick response right there. Um, we, we want to make certain that as children of God, we are doing the things that honor the Lord and bring glory to God. Um, you know, I, I tell my son occasionally, we had a little situation recently where, where um, he showed a little bit of bad attitude. And we had discussion. We wound up getting on the phone and having discussion with the other individual involved and and made some apologies and that sort of thing. And Now, y'all don't tell him I'm saying this, okay? This is part of the negative of being the pastor's kid. That's not quite fair that I would do that, but if I brag on him, I guess I ought to balance it out a little bit. And we had one of those little moments, and then later when we talked, I told him, I said, let me just tell you something. I said, what is your last name? He said, O'Connell. I said, okay. I said, well, O'Connells don't act like that. And uh, 
he said, well, Uncle Sean, no, nah, he didn't say that. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. By the way, happy birthday to you. <laughs> that was quite a gift. That wasn't nice. See, that's the, that's the penalty of being the pastor's brother right there. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. Uh, I told him, I said, your name's O'Connell. I said, and, and that's not how we act. That's not, that's not how your pops, which is my dad, that's not how your pops raised me. That's not how I've raised you. And when you do something and your name is O'Connell, what you do reflects on me. And what I do reflects on you equally. And so I said, we're going to do our best to make sure that I don't ever cause you any problems and you don't cause me any problems. And I think that's good advice. And it's probably not something we hear too much of anymore, but we probably should hear some more of it. And then I did tell him that if you can't do that, then I can help you remedy that. And uh, yeah, with a piece of leather. That I have several of hanging in my closet. We can remedy all of those things. And so, we came to a very good conclusion, all right? And uh, I, I say that to say this. Just as I want to make sure that anything I do is a credit to my father, I would never want to do anything that, that would make Bill O'Connell hang his head. I sure wouldn't want to do anything that would cause God to want to hang his head. I think that is a completely fair statement. The Lord has been so very good to us. He purchased us with a price that we could not pay. He bought us with a price that we could not pay. You couldn't be good enough. You couldn't give enough. You couldn't say the right things. There was nothing that you could do to pay this price. It took the sinless blood of a spotless lamb. And Jesus Christ has become the lamb. And the book of Revelation said that he alone was found worthy to open the books. And I am so thankful for what the Lord has done in my life. And when I stop to consider that, it makes me want to live my life in such a way that brings honor and glory to Him. And never that would bring degradation or embarrassment or shame to the name of Jesus. I really think we need to get back to that. Let me ask you a question tonight before I move into this. How many people believe that this is... The book. This is not just a book. This is not just any book. But this is the book. This is the book by which we have found the pathway to salvation. This is the book by which we understand who framed the world. This is the book by which we understand who our God is. Am I preaching? This is the book by which we understand the awesome power and might that our Lord has. This is the book. 
we embrace all of those things. We embrace, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord because it comes from the book. We embrace, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved because it's in the book. We embrace, except a man be born again of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven because it is in the book. We embrace. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost because it's in the book. We embrace Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph because it's in the book. We also embrace lives of holiness because it's in the book. And that's what we're talking about. And so our scripture said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Somebody needs to get that revelation. You are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They belong to him. Our body and our spirit belongs to the Lord. And so that is the scripture text that we have launched from as we have been in this series each time. And if you have not listened to every one of these lessons you need to go listen to them because we build upon them i can't go back and re-preach everything every time to try to give you all the disclaimers and help you understand we don't only focus on the outside we already been focusing on the inside now we are moving to the outside tonight okay and uh pastor austin that was a fabulous lesson last wednesday night in New York, we got to sit in and, and listen, watch that as you taught that. And that was a wonderful lesson on the tongue and the eye. And if you haven't listened to it, you need to go listen to it. Tonight, I am dealing with the subject of adornment and dress. Adornment and dress. And I'll give you a scripture uh, focus tonight, and that would be Deuteronomy 22 and verse number 5. Deuteronomy 22 and verse number 5. And the Bible says there, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Before I jump into this, I think I want to deal very quickly 
and try to move on from this. It may come back up, but I would, I'd like to move on from it um, because I feel like I've mostly covered it. And that is the, the subject of culture. There are going to be some people who are going to disagree with what I teach tonight because they are going to say that you are, that was written to their culture and it had to apply to their culture. And that's true. It did have to apply to their culture. And they would say, we have to take the principle of that and apply it to our culture. And I would say that is true as well. We have to apply that principle to our culture just as well. And then they would try to say, um, you know, in their culture, everybody wore robes. And that is not true. All right? Y'all can say amen. All right? They, they, had, they did have flowing garments, and they were very different for men and women. And they were very distinct and unique in how they were made for men and for women. And I will try to get to that and cover that tonight. Um, and they would; those same people would then say, our culture has new, a new 21st century idea of what is masculine and what is feminine. And just as we don't wear the exact same clothing they wore back then, um, you know, the clothing we wear can be masculine and feminine and not agree with what you are going to teach tonight, Pastor. And to that, I would say that that is not true. And, um, and this is why. I just got back from a city where I saw a little bit of everything. And it was all accepted. So if we're going to follow this, this logic of as long as culture agrees with it, well, you might as well throw your Bible away. I got my glasses off. I can't see you. I'm, I'm just going to talk to you, okay? If, if you're going to try to go down that road, you got a severe problem because you're going to get to the place you're going to draw a line. You will draw a line. Well, I, I believe it just has to be, and I'll get into it, but I believe it just has to be modest. Well, I do too. Well, I think you are way overboard on modesty. You know, this is modest. Well, you just tell me where you're going to draw the line because then you're going to have to deal with somebody else who doesn't agree with your line and look at them and tell them they're wrong. Are you going to have the guts to do that? So, I saw men with makeup on, I saw men with uh, skirts on. And I saw women with all kinds of stuff and, and men with men and women with women. and I mean, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, but all of that is wrong. All right? Outward appearance is a most important element of holiness. It would be absolutely crazy to think that a holy God would take a holy spirit and put it in an unholy vessel. God doesn't operate that way. He never has. When God touches something, it becomes holy. Now, the responsibility becomes 
what will the vessel do? Because the Bible says that you cannot put new wine in old wineskins. If you put new wine in old wineskins, it will burst the old wineskins and they will empty themselves of the wine. You don't take an old garment and take a new patch and, and put that in and expect that to hold because the old garment was deteriorating. And if you put a new piece of garment that was fresh with that old one, the old one was going to continue to deteriorate. And now you've got a problem because not only is the old still deteriorating, but you have now ruined the new piece as well. These are scripture things Jesus said. And so it becomes so important that we understand, no, we do not get good in order to get God. We get God to get good. But when we get God, we need to start getting good. Because God has a high expectation that that which he has placed his spirit within would begin to turn toward him and to seek him and to desire him. I listened to a message today that just absolutely messed with me and I'll probably preach a little bit of it at some point. Years ago, Brother Wayne McLean preached a message that he titled, Most Likely You Will Not Change. And what he said is that to the vast majority of the people I'm preaching to, he said, not all of you. He was preaching to his local church. He said, not all of you, but to the majority of you, you have decided that you have just about as much of God as you want to have. You've decided that I, this is how much I like praying. I'll continue praying about that much. This is how much I like fasting. I'll fast that much. This is how much I study the word of God. I'm going to study the word of God that much. And he said, it is a very difficult thing to get people to change anymore. He said, the greatest opportunity for change that we have typically happens when we first come to God. Because when we first come to God, we are so hungry for him that we'll do anything that will go anywhere, that there is no price that is too high to be paid. When they got to talking about Brother Varnell today, they, said, they made mention of this. They said he was from a generation. He didn't care. He really put it all on the table before God. It didn't matter to him and his wife how much it would cost them. They had made up their mind to do the will of God. And they gave it everything that they had. And, and, and he did not die with much because he was a man that had given everything that he could to the Lord. Some of us may say, I don't know the wisdom in that. And, and I think we want to take care of our families to an extent. But I also think it would be a horrible shame for me to leave my family a lot of things but not leave my family a lot of places like Brother Odell preached here on Sunday. When, when Isaac got to looking for the God of his father, Isaac didn't go looking for the God of Abraham in things. He went looking for the God of Abraham in wells, in places that Abraham had dug. And the Bible says that Isaac redug the wells that Abraham had dug. And we've got to get to this point where we don't mind seeking after God and letting God pull things from us that we need to. 
And I said that just to make this statement. I hope people in this room tonight are hungry for God to change your life still. I hope that none of us in this room feel like we have gotten into a place with God that, you know what, I'm pretty happy here. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, this doesn't cost me too much and this isn't too diff. I hope if God speaks to you and, and his spirit begins to reveal things to you that you and I would hit our knees and say, God, it's not too much. God, it doesn't bother me. I want to give it to you. I want you to have more of me so that I can have more of you. When we come to this subject of holiness, it matters that we would do this. God wants to put his spirit in vessels that he intends would be vessels of honor, the Bible says. From the Old Testament foundation of, of, of the tabernacle being built in that wilderness and the vessels that were to be used in it and the people that would be used in it as they ministered to the Lord. We know that God required them to be thoroughly cleansed. The Bible says that those priests had to be anointed in a certain way. The Bible said those vessels had to be anointed in a certain way. The Bible said the priests had to wear particular garments. Why? Because they were doing the work of the Lord. If they used an unclean vessel or if a priest ministered in a wrong uh, way or with the wrong attire, it would be a desecration of God's holy things. And so when we begin to talk about our day and our age. No, you may not have a priestly uniform, but you should have a righteous uniform. You should have a holy uniform that whenever we go out and represent our God, for the Bible says that we are become kings and priests unto the Lord. When we go out and represent him and we are doing the work of God that does not take place only here on Sundays, but the work of God is what we do every day, day in and day out, week in and week out. When we do those things, we must do it understanding that God cares about the vessel. So Deuteronomy gave us this powerful verse of scripture that I have actually heard somebody say, well, if it's that important, it wouldn't just be mentioned one time. Well, the first thing is it's not just mentioned one time. But the second thing is, how many times does God have to say something for you to think he means it? Just going to let that settle for a moment. How many times does it take for God to convince you that he means something? Somebody would say that this scripture, if you'll put it back up there, Deuteronomy 22 and 5. Somebody would say that, um, that well, that was, that was for their time. No, the... Bible says that it was an abomination for these things to happen. For the woman to wear that which pertains to a man or a man to put on a woman's garment, all that do so are abomination under the Lord thy God. An abomination, ladies and gentlemen, is a hated thing. That's literally what that means. It is the thing that God hates. And what God hates does not change because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if it was an abomination for it to happen then, it's an abomination for it to happen now. I don't care if they make it funny and put, add a joke and put it on television. It's still an abomination. I don't care if they make it cute and put it on a movie. It's still an abomination. I don't care if they make it sound clever and they put it on a news program 
them. It is still an abomination. And you and I had better get back to the place. And I feel like my preaching, my help's coming on. We better get back to the place where we value what God says more than we value what a sitcom says, more than we value what a movie says, more than we value what Disney says, more than we value what Fox or CNN says, more than we value what a president or a Congress or a Supreme Court says. You'd better value the Word of God because it is the Word of God and the Word of God only that is going to get you from here to there. It is the Word of God and the Word of God only that can cleanse you. It is the Word of God and the Word of God only that can save you. It is the Word of God and the Word of God only that can discern you. It is the Word of God. Help me preach. It is the Word of God and the Word of God only. And without the Word of God, we have nothing. I don't care who said it. I don't care if it was your grandma or your grandpa, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your child, your parent. I don't care who said it. If it doesn't agree with the Word of God, it doesn't mean anything. I want to hold on to that which is true. I want to hold on to that which is everlasting. I want to hold on to that which is eternal. The Word of God. Clap your hands and give Him praise. say, well, you've been teaching, now you're preaching. Why are you doing this? Because I feel like when we talk about this, you need to feel what's connected to this. I feel the Lord affirming what we're talking about here tonight. Somebody just lift your hands right now and give God praise because I feel his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, yes, we have Deuteronomy 22 and 5. Somebody said, well, it's an Old Testament scripture. We also have 1 Timothy 2 and 8. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also, notice this, just as we are to pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, similarly, that women would adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness. And I want to ask, are there any women in here tonight that you claim to be a godly woman? You don't have to be embarrassed to answer. Are there any women in here that you say, I am a godly woman? I pray every lady in here would make that declaration tonight. I pray it. And let me just stop and say, our young people need to hear this too. You young ladies need to hear what pastor's preaching tonight. You need to get this down deep inside of your spirit and, and, and down deep inside of your soul because you're going to be tested on these things and you're going to have people lean on you and pressure you to do certain things and to, and to go certain places. And you've got to know that I'm not just doing this because my mom and dad said that while I'm in their house, I have to. I'm not just doing this because uh, the church I go to says you need to do this. I'm doing this because the word of God said it. And I want to please God more than anything else. There's nothing that means as much to me as pleasing the Lord. Amen. First Peter goes on to talk about it in first Peter three and one. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the lifestyle of the wives. 
while they behold your chaste lifestyle coupled with fear whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel talking about costly apparel but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Remember, we've been bought with a price and that meek and quiet spirit in the sight of God is of great price. Price. For after this manner in the old time. Now look, you've got the apostle Peter reaching back to the old time. And he's talking about the holy women of old. He says, after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. So he is pulling from back there and he is bringing it into his present. And I want to do the same tonight. I want to pull from back there and I want to pull from what uh, Moses recorded. God is saying, and I want to pull from what Paul and Peter said, and I want to bring it into 2021 and tell you that it is still what God desires of us. There's some important words in these scriptures I read, let me just share them with you very quickly. The first word is abomination. That is unto God. That is something that God hates. The second word is modest. That means decent, chaste, proper, unpretentious, pure. The third word is shamefacedness. That means to be steadfast in modesty, in propriety, with a sense of shame, with a sense of modesty and reverence. The fourth word is sobriety. That means moderation and sound judgment and self-control. The fifth word is adorning. That means ornamentation and decoration. The sixth word is braided, talking about braided hair, where he talked about that, which is extremely elaborate hair arrangement, probably ornamental. And, and these are things that we are told to be very careful with how we deal with these things. Now, I know that some want to reach into our day and age, and you hear this a lot. People who don't know the Bible quote scriptures that they don't understand so very often. And I've heard this once. I've heard it a hundred times. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Well, that's a true statement. Anybody know where that statement was? Has it, let me ask this. Has anybody ever heard that statement before? Let me ask this second question. Who knows where it comes from in the Bible? One, two, three, four. And, and I'm, not get, I'm not trying to embarrass us. How many of us had heard it before? All right. Isn't that interesting? People want to quote that a lot of times, but they don't necessarily always know where it came from. Next time somebody brings it up to you, you can tell them where it came, comes from. It's when uh, Samuel went to anoint a king, and the Bible said uh, Eliab came in, big, strong, strapping young man. And Samuel said, surely this is him. This is the one that God's going to anoint king in Saul's stead. Am I right? And, and he said, uh, the Lord said, no, he said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. It had nothing to do with how he was dressed. It had to do with his physicality, his regal bearing and appearance. That's what the Lord was talking about. So when somebody says, you know, how you, how you dress, none of that matters. Well, 
who wants to go stand before God in the skimpiest, I'm trying to be very careful here, but in the skimpiest of attire? Well, if God looks on the heart, not on the outward appearance, what's the big deal? If God looks on the heart, not the outward appearance, then why did he give Adam and Eve things to clothe themselves? We doing all right? It's a true statement to say it, but you have to understand what it is. It's not, we're not judged on physical beauty. We're not judged on physical uh, uh, strength and, 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 and our bearing and how we look. Some people can walk in a room and they just look like they belong there. And some people come in very quietly and very humbly. And it, that, it, it, we're not impressed, the Lord says, by, by how you enter the room. God says, I'm impressed by what's within your heart. And the Bible lets us know that what is in the heart always makes its way out. We know that the Lord made men and women different. Can anybody say amen? If you ever find that book on how to understand women, share it with the rest of us men. All right. I'm looking down, looking down, looking down. <laughs> We are different physically. We are different emotionally. Um, when we dress, we ought to always keep in mind that God made us with these differences and that we should dress according to the way that best fulfills God's purpose for us as men and as women. The man was created as the head of the family. That's not popular today, but it's still true. Now, that doesn't mean that we... we are not we're not lords over God's heritage. We don't walk on our wives. We don't treat them as less than. He didn't take Eve from Adam's from her head because she was not to rule over him. But neither did he take her from his heel because he was not to walk on her. God took her from his rib in his side. And I strongly believe that was to show that she is to be a helpmeet to him and to walk beside him. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time defending that. I know it's not agreed upon much in our world today, but it is still true. The man is to be the head of the family, the strong provider. Therefore, he would dress in a masculine way that would allow him to fulfill the desires of God for a man and the things that God told the man, Adam, that he would have to do. The woman was created as a helpmeet, as a weaker vessel, not weaker-minded, but weaker. she is weaker physically. She does not have the strength the man has, and that is okay, ladies. That's, that is, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and uh, they are softer, and we men are thankful for that. Therefore, she ought to dress in a way that allows her to fulfill the desires of God for a woman. And so there are distinctions in Scripture on our dress. Um, from the Old Testament, you can look and you can begin to see the, how the different sexes dressed. Men wore breeches. This was a pant-like garment, garment underneath a tunic. It, was, it covered the area from the chest to the bottom of the thighs. And this is important here because this begins to deal with where do we draw the lines on how long a garment has to be. In the scripture, the, the key thing was, was uh, to cover the thighs and that it would be flowing. The word apparel comes from the Greek word katastole. 
That means a long flowing garment. This word reflects directly on a style of garment that they called the catastola, which was a loose fitting. Hear that again, loose fitting garment. It covered from the neck to the knees. And if you look at Paul, you will notice that Paul requires the same type of garment that God required in Genesis chapter 3 when he covered Adam and Eve. When God covered Adam and Eve, he covered them in a way. He didn't give, he didn't give them, excuse me here, but he didn't give them loincloths. He covered them. They were covered from neck to below the knee. And we know that because of the wording that was used in Scripture and what the meaning of these words are. And I'm giving those to you tonight. The garment of a woman should cover her thigh and knee. That would be this part of the leg, ladies. It should cover your thigh and your knee. That is the biblical covering. That is a biblical covering. Um, if, if Paul had intended that the garment go all the way down, he would have used a different word, pederis, but he didn't use that word. Uh, in, in Revelation 1.13, it talks about Jesus being clothed with a garment that went all the way down. And that's the word that was used there. That's the garment that John the Apostle sees Jesus in, in, in Revelation 1. But when Paul's giving us the, the guidelines of modesty, he says you need to have the catastole and it needs to go from the neck to below the knee. And that is the garment that, that would cover the areas that need to be covered. Uh, men wore a, a different type of garment. They had the breeches. Women did not have the breeches because breeches were a distinctively masculine garment. Breeches were worn underneath the man's tunic. And this is why men, the Bible talks several times about gird up your loins. Women did not gird up their loins. This is only a command given to men. Men would gird up, gird up their loins, which meant they would take their tunic and they would pull it between their legs because they already had breeches underneath that covered. Again, uh, the, the, the covering went for men from neck to below the knee and they would pull the tunic and they would wrap it and they would tie it. And when they did, they could run without having the, the wind get underneath the tunic and cause them problems while they ran. They would take the, the tunic and tuck it into their sash and they would go into battle like that. And they would, they would run like that and they would play games like that. And they would work like that. Uh, it was a distinctively masculine thing to have breeches. This is why we feel like it is God's most clearest, uh, clearest distinction that we could possibly do is for our ladies to wear dresses and skirts and for men to wear pants. Because in the Bible, only men wore breeches. Women did not wear breeches. And in Scripture, women wore uh, garments that, that, were, that were more flowing and differently constructed than the men. And I'm not a, I am not a garment expert here, okay? So I'm trying to say this in, in language we can understand, but that I don't butcher what I'm talking about here tonight. But, but it was very clear what the differences were between the two. It was so clear that when you saw a man afar off, you knew that was a man. And when you saw a woman afar off, you knew that was a woman. 
Well, if everybody wore the same thing, how could you draw that distinction? It's because it was not exactly the same. It was different. And so I would preach and tell you tonight that, ladies, the clearest thing we can do to obey Scripture is for you to wear dresses and skirts. And it's what I really ask of you in this church. And if you're going to be on the platform, it's what is required of you. If you're going to teach in... in, in uh, if, if you're going to, to be in certain places of position and authority, it's what's required of you. Now, everybody here may not agree with that, may not do that. And I still love you. And everybody here, I believe, knows that. And, and I'm going to keep loving you and I'm going to keep being your pastor. But I hope you'll open your spirit up tonight and say, God, if this is for me, I want it. I, I would hope none of us would put up a wall tonight that says, I don't want any revelation and I don't want God to deal with me about anything. I hope all of us are open. Can we say amen? amen. And so we do that because it is the clearest distinction that we could have. It agrees with the Old Testament. It agrees with the New Testament. Um, women wore a tunic. Theirs was wider, longer, made of finer material. They wore an outer garment that had sleeves, and this garment was worn only by women. And so there was a very clear distinction between the two. When we began to deal with the subject of modesty, we need to ask this question because this is what Peter dealt with and Paul dealt with in the New Testament. We need to ask ourselves the question, is the way that I am dressed, does it portray me in a decent way? Does it portray me in a chaste or modest way? Um, we need to get back to understanding Bible modesty. We don't get modesty from Vanity Fair. We don't get modesty from Paris. We don't get modesty from runways. We get modesty from the Word of God. That's why we don't wear our clothes too tight because it's just simply not modest if clothes are too tight. That's why we don't wear our clothes too short because it's simply not modest if our clothes are too short. And what I ask in this church is that your shirts would, would cover your shoulder, completely cover your shoulder. Don't be walking around not covering your shoulder. Cover your shoulder. I'd ask that you would cover your knees. Make sure your knees are covered. Men, uh, I'm going to be very honest with us tonight because we, we're, 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 I, I want to make, I, I want to be biblical, but I also want to pay homage to where we come from and our traditions. And I don't want there to be misunderstanding about where I stand on some of this. And, and the, the, the live stream's paying real good attention right now, probably. Men, where we come from, it was when I was growing up, and you're part of the apostolic church, it was strongly preached. Men never wear shorts. It was always pants. And and, and down to, to your ankles and all of that. And then I'd hear some say, what, why can the ladies wear skirts below their knee and the men can't wear pants that would go to below the knee? And what's the difference? And, and I understand where you're coming from, but I also thank God for our elders and where they came from. And so we have to make sure we stay biblical, but we need to make sure that we respect where we have come from. And scripturally, the thing that I can tell you is that we need to do what honors the word of God. And so I do believe that to go from neck to below the knee honors God. But men, I'm asking you, if you would, wherever it is possible that we go a step beyond that. I want us to, when we're publicly 
going around and doing stuff. I'd ask that you would try to go with longer pants. And if you're doing something that you're out with your family and you're swimming and, and, and something like that, I, I understand all of that. But, but I'm asking you to do that in moderation and, and be careful because there seems to be this little thing where we, we say, well, I got the liberty to do this, so I'm just going to bring it up a little bit and, and bring it up a little bit. And ladies, the same thing goes with our skirts. Not our skirts, your skirts. <laughs> just, I'm, I ask that when you sit down, that skirt covers your knee. I ask that that split is not so high that it goes above the knee. And I'm asking that you would do those things. Why are we doing that? Uh, you know, I, it's, it's not my fault if somebody gets to looking at me. Well, that's what our society says. But the Bible says, Woe to them by whom offenses come. And the Bible says not to be a stumbling block. And I, yes, us men need to control ourselves. And men, you need to, you need to control yourself. But, and, and, and ladies, you got to control yourself. And men, you need to be conscientious of how you present yourself. And ladies, you need to be conscientious of how you present yourself. Now, we need to dress nice. We need, to, we need to try to look good and presentable and, and I would even say attractive uh, in, in according to masculinity and femininity. We do not need to try to look seductive. We are not, this is not a place where you're putting on a fashion show. This is not a place, what time is it? Here we go. This is not a place where you are, where, where, where we are trying to... Um, uh, catch people's eyes, and uh, I was somewhere north, south, east, west uh, at a particular place recently where somebody was on the platform, and I I told myself, you don't even need to look that direction, self. You don't even need to look that direction because that's not very modest, and you don't need that to begin to play havoc in your mind, and some of the biggest issues we have start right up here. And so, yes, our modesty has something to do with that. Are y'all still all right tonight? Um, we, should, we should dress in a way that we are not viewed, we are not trying to be viewed for our pleasure, but for His pleasure. Would God ever be pleased with our bodies being exposed immodestly in public? Certainly not. If he clothed Adam and Eve after they had sinned, he did so with modesty in mind that he might remove the shame of their nakedness. You remember that they were ashamed of their nakedness. And it was from that point on that God instructed them that they were to be clothed. He gave instruction as to how they ought to be clothed and, and where the guidelines were. And some things are very clear in Scripture, and some things should be common sense. One of the things that has bothered me from so many that I have seen through the years that have walked away from this truth that I'm preaching tonight, I've heard them say, oh, I don't believe it takes that, that we have to have that gender distinctive look. I just think it needs to be modest. And 
inevitably I have watched, I've watched friends of mine that I love, people that I have loved, people that I have been very, very close to. Please don't act like this doesn't affect me or my family. People that I've been very, very close to. I've seen them walk away and I've seen them, what they used to say at the beginning of their walking away, say, well, we'd never do that because obviously that's not modest. But yet when culture gets to push in on it, all of a sudden that's okay and that's modest to them now. Your line's going to keep getting pushed. So you'd better draw your line. Where do we draw it? Let's draw it with Scripture. Let's draw it with Scripture. Let's use our common sense. We don't emphasize certain parts of the body because emphasizing certain parts of the body can very quickly become immodest. Depending on how you are made has a whole lot to do with what you might be able to wear and what somebody else might be able to wear. Just, you know, someone else might be able to get away wearing that particular dress. You may not be able to get away with wearing that particular dress. You might be built taller. You might be built shorter. It, it can vary between people. Let's make sure we're modest. Reasons we ought to avoid this, this outward uh, adornment is because it helps us to avoid pride and vanity. We ought to be content with what God has done. I... I, one thing that I, I made up my mind years ago, I was not going to be one of these short guys who had little man syndrome. You ever met one of those people? Do they get on your nerves as bad as they get on mine? I can't stand it. These guys that have little man syndrome, and I, I know I'm short, and we joke about it, and that's okay with me. You be respectful, but I don't, I, I'm not opening up. It's not open season, okay? But. But I, I recognize I'm short. We, we cut up about it. That's okay with me. Don't, it doesn't offend me. Don't bother me. I'm, I, I determined I wasn't going to try to be something I was not. And, and so I don't put lifts in my shoes. And When we take family pictures, I do this. I will admit that. It's because the, wife, the husband is be the head of the wife, and i got to get just a little bit to be head. All right. <laughs> we don't thank you, Brother Stephen. We are content with who God has made us. Some of us are taller, some of us are shorter. Some of us are a little more healthy. Some, some of us are a little more thin. Some of us have, when I was growing up, my dad used to call me Dumbo. My ears were so big on my head. Then I started filling out, and I just kind of grew into them. Some of us have big ears, and you may feel your ears stick out a little bit, or your nose is a little too big. or you, There may be things about you that, that you don't quite wish they were that way. But let me tell you something right now. It's only our society that has gotten us to this place where we are so consumed with self. 
God made you fearfully and he made you wonderfully. And when God formed you, God knew exactly who he wanted you to be. He didn't want you to look like somebody else. He didn't want you to look like some, some other man. He didn't want you lady to look like some other woman. He wanted you to look like you. He wanted you to have the color skin you have. He wanted you to have the texture hair you have. He wanted you to have the nose or the ears that you have. He wanted you to be exactly who you are and God made me like that and if that's who God has made me I feel no compulsion to try to in, in, do better than what God did I really feel like God has made us all wonderful in our own way and in our own right and we've got enough going on in our society that we've got uh, people battling low self-esteem and, 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 and down on who they are. And they don't even have the word of God to turn to because they don't believe it. They don't have a walk with Jesus to turn to. If we bring that into the church with the issues our kids are already going to have in this world, if we start bringing that in the church, can you imagine what we're going to start dealing with? Let me just tell you, when you come to this church, it's not a fashion show. It's not a body show. When you come to this church, it's the house of God. We come here to worship him. We come here to exalt him. We come here to lift him up. We're not trying to bring that spirit of worldliness in here. And that's why I've got to preach like I'm preaching. And I've not even gotten to some of the stuff I wish I had tonight. But it's why I'm preaching like I'm preaching because it is a worldly spirit that tells us we've got to tighten this up. And, 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 and we've got to wear this to accentuate that in order for us to be something or, or to look right. No, you do not. No, you do not. And please, please, please don't get caught up with this generation that we're in, this selfie generation that we're in that makes us want to, 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 to be something to everybody else. At the end of the day, folks, I don't want y'all to think I look like a slob. All right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not glorifying looking unkempt. You need to dress nice and you need to do the best you can with what you have. But at the end of the day, this is the only woman that I really uh, want to impress. And, and I, I'm not, I don't have to impress everybody else. And in, if, if in order for me to impress her, I, I have to do things that, that cause me to, to try to that, that catch the eye of other women, then I'm doing something wrong. Men, don't put pressure on your wife that she has to be something other than what she, God meant for her to be. Don't put pressure on your wife that she has to dress ungodly in order for you to be attracted to her or in order for you to think that, 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 that you are drawn to her. That, don't put that pressure on your wife. Don't you dare do that. That's, that is not a godly, that's not following Christ. That's not allowing Christ to be our example. We've got to, we've got to get this thing right. God cares about this matter of holiness. God cares about the matter of holiness. I'm trying to come to a close tonight. I may come back and deal with some more things. Let's be content with who we are. Let's not, let's not have a false set of values by placing emphasis on physicality in the temporary. Because let me just tell you something right now. I don't care how physically good looking you think you are. We're all aging. 
it will go away. It will go away. And if it took you being something you're not to get somebody, you good luck keeping them. Five more minutes and I'm serious. Five more minutes. Our apparel ought to be moderate in cost. Um, Pentecost went through a little issue some years ago that was wrong, wrong, wrong. And it was, we had to, men had to wear the most expensive of suits. Women had to have the most expensive dresses and purses and got caught up with that same thing. And if, whether their purse had that particular name and all that kind of stuff. And, and I've seen people who, who, who it got a hold of them. Oh, it got a hold of them. We want to be modest in what we spend on our clothing. That shows temperance. It shows good stewardship. These are principles of the Word of God. We are to be separate from the world. We are not conformed to this world, Romans said, but we are transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is a spiritual significance of dress. And you can try to argue with me all you want, but at the end of the day, you know a holy person when you see them. I don't care if it's the right length. Just because it's the right length don't make, don't make it holy. I'm talking, we need, listen, here's the two principles. Gender distinction. Ladies wearing things that pertain to ladies. Men wearing what pertains to a man. The second thing is modesty. Wearing things that, 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 are, that, that do not draw undue attention. And so we need to understand these things. And so uh, there is a spiritual significance. And you see them coming. You know a holy lady when you see a holy lady. You know a holy man when you see a holy man. It is an expression of ourselves to God. It is an expression of ourselves to God. It is an expression of ourselves to other people. And we need to make sure that we grasp this concept. The Bible said to appear holy in the sight of all. Appear holy, the Bible said, in the sight of all. Three references to that. If you want them, come to me after church. I'll give them to you. There is a detrimental effect of unholy dress. It feeds the lust of the flesh. Please don't tell me. Please do not have, have the wherewithal to tell me that somebody dressing immodestly does not feed the lust of the flesh. It absolutely does. It appeals to the lust of the eyes. It speaks to the pride of life. Those are the three things that we are told all sin originates from. Our external appearance molds our behavior and inner self. When, when I, listen, let me just tell you this. When I put on a suit, it makes me walk differently. When I put on a suit, it puts me in a different frame of mind. Does that make sense? When my son goes out and gets his deer hunting clothes on, it puts him in a particular frame of mind. When you put on your work uniform, it puts you in a particular frame of mind. How you dress it affects how you think and how you act and what you do. Does that make sense to you tonight? We need to be very careful. It affects others' people's 
other people's expectations. If you see somebody dressed like a floozy, man or woman, you expect them to be a floozy. Well, just because I dress a certain way don't mean I'm out looking for something. Then why would you dress a certain way? Please don't bring that ignorant, carnal, worldly mindset into the church, by the way. I shouldn't have to justify saying that. That's a, that's a worldly, carnal, antichrist spirit that says, just because I dress a certain way don't mean I'm looking for something. You're a liar. I said it. I've got to stop. I got my five minutes. I'm going to quit there tonight. I may come back to this because there's some other things I need to say. But I want you to know how we dress matters. And this is not something I jump on all of the time, but it is something I believe all the time. And I probably ought to talk about it more than I do. And, and we are always going to bring this subject up from time to time. Because God really does care about how we appear. If God did not care how we appeared, he would have left Adam and Eve with fig leaves. This is not a hard concept to understand. This is, this is very biblically clear. And, and with, uh, with a, a slight bit of common sense, you can understand it. And so... We've got to be so careful, ladies and gentlemen, that we don't let our culture pull us out of the book. You said you believed this book when it said one God. You said you believed this book when it said repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You said you believed this book when it talked about uh, the, the Lord and all that He is to us. You believed the book. Then let's continue believing the book when it starts talking about matters of holiness. And let's not try to get out of this thing that God has desired of us. This is one of the clear ways. And, and I meant to get into this scripture and I didn't, but, but I'll end with this. The Bible said, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And that was Old Testament and it was quoted again in the New Testament. And so, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. I'm glad to be a part of a body of believers that people are able to point to us and say those people are different. I'm not talking about being weirdos, but they say we are different. That does not bother me in the slightest because God said, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. If, there, if we cannot look at you and the way you live your life, and see in, in all aspects of your life and see that you are different. The problem is with you. It is not with what I've preached here tonight. So Lord, help us to be a separated people. Help us to embrace that separateness that you have called us to. We can do it by being attractive. We can do it by being classy. We can do it. I feel like my wife is a, is a very good example of being a classy lady and she dresses in a holy way. And I'm using her as an example because I can do that because she's my wife. And sorry to put her on the spot, but I believe she models holiness very well and, and what I expect in this church. And she doesn't make it look like something 
that we don't want to be a part of. And I'm just saying that to say it can easily be done. And ladies, to be quite honest with you, it's never been easier for you to do it. There are more modest clothing places out there right now than there have ever been before. Than there have ever been before. And it is easier for you to do that today than it has ever been. Matter of fact, there's, they've been, my wife was telling me that they've been making fun on social media, some of the influencers and stuff. And I'm sorry I've gone long. I'm done, y'all. But because what they call it, that Target is selling all of the what kind of dresses, like prairie dresses and all that kind of stuff they're calling it because that's even in style right now. I'm just telling you to say you can you can go to mainstream stores and buy modest dresses, ladies. And if you can't find what you need there, you can certainly find them online. It's never been easier. We are a holy people. God has called us to holiness. My wife wants to say something she's going to get to. Okay, I'll hurry, guys. Um, something that I wanted to go back to on the pertaining to a man and a woman, I feel like the spirit of our age has no... In the last maybe 50 um, years, we have seen a huge digression in the separation between man and woman, and it has turned into a sexual revolution nightmare um, and, and confusion of all kinds. And the enemy is not an idiot. He was smart. When he started making men and women dress the same, when women said, well, I can wear what he's wearing, and then... The, the identity started there being lost. And over time, we've seen it just degrade and degrade. And so I think that we need to walk circumspectly. We need to be aware of the enemy's devices. We can do this in our homes. We can do this with our children. And we need to be aware that we we keep our separation between men and women. And that is the way we do it is in our dress. It's good right there. And if you watch the confusion in gender... It is directly related to, to the revolution and the, the blending of the sexes in apparel. For hundreds and hundreds of years, nobody had questions about what a man was and what a woman was. And men wore men garments and women wore women garments. And we started changing that and today we're fighting a battle that is raging, that is unbelievable. So I've talked about all that. I know I've gone long. You needed to hear what I had to say. We've talked about all that. Remember this. Your kids are in your house. Help your kids be holy. Help your kids be holy. Draw those lines even with your children. Be very, very careful. I know we've got little girls, and, and when they're very, very little, I, I understand all that. You better not wait long before you start drawing your lines, Mom and Dad, because then you're going to have a real problem one day, and you're going to be coming to me, and you're going to say, I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know what, what's going on. I don't know. I can't get them to. And I'm, I'm not probably going to say it as harsh as I'll say it right now, but I'll say it right now. Why weren't you worried about this five years ago? Why didn't you care about this when I was preaching about it five, ten years ago? And I was saying, make sure your little babies 
are dressing holy. And now you're struggling because they want to wear this or do that. You better hear me now. Particularly those of you with very young ones, you better hear me now. You only get a little bit of time to help direct them like arrows in the hands of my our children. And where you just if you let them aim them themselves, we're gonna have problems. You better aim them, parents. You better aim them. You better that goes a whole lot. You better aim them to come to church. You better aim them to be a worshiper. You better aim them to respond to the preaching. You better aim them to dress right. You better aim them to act right. You better aim them to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You better aim them to baptism in Jesus' name. Aim them to the Holy Ghost. Aim them to praying at the altar. Aim them to choosing friends who will value these things. Don't turn them loose and then say, I don't understand what the problem is, Pastor. Let's stand. If y'all stand, I'll be done. I love all of you. And and I hope this has helped y'all. And, and I feel like I kind of bounced a little bit tonight. And I hope I hope not too much. I, I just kind of followed the leading of the Holy Ghost, I feel like. I'll come back to talk a few other things. But ladies and gentlemen, this is who we are. This is part of an apostolic church. You cannot show me a long-term apostolic church that doesn't have what I'm preaching tonight. They don't exist. You cannot show me one. Show me a hundred-year-old apostolic church that doesn't believe what I've been preaching tonight. They do not exist. If that doesn't convince you, I don't know what else would. Lord, we love you. God, our hearts are open to you. Our spirit is open to you. We desire you inwardly. And we desire that our lives would bring glory to you. Don't let me do anything, God, that would bring reproach upon your name. God, let my mind get right. Don't let me drawn into seductive mindsets or sensual mindsets, but let me be drawn into things that glorify you. God, help me dress in a way that brings glory to you. Help me to help me to to to, to Present myself in a way that brings glory to you. Help me, God, to raise my kids to embrace this truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.